today on Cross Radio. No matter how we try to do things to save ourselves, we still fall short of God's standards. Why? Jesus was actually clear. It is more possible for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Was this problem about being rich? Far from it. There are rich people in heaven and also poor people in hell. What does Jesus mean, beloved? It simply means that it is impossible for us to be saved thinking our riches or whatever it is we have or who we are or what we did can save us. Can a man do something good? In a way, yes. The Bible acknowledges that we can do good works, quote-unquote. We can do something that is beneficial and good and even loving for our neighbors. One problem is this. What we mean by good is not good enough for us to merit salvation. We can do all the good in the world, even atheists or even contrary religions, even cults can do good. But it is a godless good or in essence a Christless good work and it is not good enough to save us. Only faith in the true gospel, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can save us. He alone is good, good enough to save us from our sins and our depravity. The content of our glad tidings is all about Jesus, his own life, death, and resurrection. The context, according to Twister, is necessary in order for us to fully grasp the gravity of the gospel's content. We have learned four essential points as our context. Number one, God is holy. Number two, man is sinful. Number three, there is a war between God and man. And number four, Jesus is enough to reconcile man with God. Today, we will focus and expound on our second point. Man is sinful. So today, we venture once again to the topic that is very important. Our fourth chapter, The Sinfulness of Man. Two thousand years ago, a man hung there on the cross claiming two major claims. One, that he is God, the Lord of the entire universe, and second, that he is the Messiah, the one sent to save his people from sin, death, and Satan. The Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, lived in human flesh, died, and rose again on the third day. This is the good news about the good God doing the good work of saving sinners for his good name. It's all about Jesus. Recording in the City of Smiles, Philippines, you are listening to this CrossCast episode where we do our very best to lead people to the person and work of Christ through the ministry of His Word. We believe and repent of our sins and yes, follow Him as Lord and Savior. It's all about Jesus. Stay tuned in, listen intently, open your Bibles joyfully, and surrender your hearts fully. This is Cross Radio, the Christocentric word to the Christo-needing world.
The gospel is clear. Its content is the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our problem is that we have been informed with too much of this, that it has become somewhat like a heavy information rather than glad tidings. Yes, we need to clarify some important details, especially its content. But we ask, why? Why Jesus had to live as a human being, had to die, and had to rise again? These are very important questions that if not answered properly, might do injustice with the message itself. Another gospel is anathema for the Apostle Paul, meaning it is accursed, it is condemned, it is more bad than good news. With this, we lose the essence of the gospel because we fail to grasp its context. We have eaten up all information that we are so full to the belly and we could not savor its true delicious flavor. It's as if, yes, I've heard about the good news, so what? So what? It's the only message that could save. Paul writes this in Romans 1 verse 16 ESV, quote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, end quote. We have learned that this gospel is the power of God for our salvation. The instrument is faith. Through faith, by believing in the true gospel, we are saved. But we know that even our faith is a gift from God. It's all from God. It is all grace. Everything is grace. This is the best message you and I could ever hear. The gospel is good news because the bad news is so bad and the Savior is so good. We magnify the Savior amidst the backdrop of our own falling short of His holy standards. The context, therefore, is very important. We are slicing the context into four essential points. One, God is holy. Two, man is sinful. Three, there is a war between God and man. And number four, Jesus is enough to reconcile man with God. Last week, we have studied the holiness of God, and indeed, it is a frightening thing to fall in the hands of a holy, holy, holy God. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Isaiah's cry is our cry. We are ruined, wrecked, and utterly demolished in front of God's holiness. Why? This is our topic today. Because God is holy, 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 everything that flows from God is uniquely, divinely, purely different. His holiness is Him being set apart from everything created. His holiness is, like the sun, so bright, so hot, that when one who is not equally hot will be burned to ashes upon going near it, woe to us, for we are ruined. God's standard is His own holiness. This is why we fall short. The Bible calls this sin. Sin is missing the mark, a picture of an archer shooting and not hitting the bull's eye. This is failing to hit the mark. This is falling short. Falling short of what? Falling short of God's glorious standards, which is, in fact, the law. The law, beloved, is the earthly expression of God's holiness and righteousness. No one can reach it because no one is good enough, righteous enough, or holy enough to hit it bullseye. We missed the mark. We fell short. We sinned. And this sinfulness is universal. Theologians actually call it total depravity. Depravity in this case means two things. It is active rebellion against God and utter inability to save ourselves and draw near this holy God. Humanity is under universal sinfulness. The Bible is clear. 
Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin means sin, and all means all. All have sinned. No one is exempted. According to Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 9, quote, Man, by his fall into a state of sin, hath wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, being altogether averse from good and dead in sin, is not able, by his own strength, to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto, end quote. On November of 1991, Michael Jackson released his hit solo entitled Black or White, garnering for himself music awards and billboard prestige. I love the upbeat and the somewhat playful music video with lions, facial warps, cultural varieties, dancing to Jackson's rhythm, and a long interlude before the song itself. I could very well remember several years after the release, I was in elementary school when we danced to this solo on stage, giving us bragging rights into the MTV-like fame of MJ inside our campus. What we little kids were so curious about was Michael Jackson's message, quote, it don't matter if you're black or white, end quote. We were intrigued by the lyrics and the fact that we saw him transform from this heart-stopping African performer to this ecstatic white man, dancing backward astronaut on stage. That is what I call the moonwalk back then. I can very well remember our discussion with the rough boys in the block on this artist's transformation and, and the thought of how we did not know that we were using the word irony spelled differently. How can he sing of something against racism, something that is proud of one's own skin and culture and the artist changing from black to white, plus the nose lift? We were little boys playing with imaginative speculations and acid-free judgments. Maybe he's not really proud of who he is, we thought. Later did we know of his vitiligo, a skin disease, and he said he had to change it for health reasons. It was not an easy decision for the music artist, and he said this on one of his interviews, quote, I have a skin disorder that destroys the pigmentation of the skin. It is something I cannot help, okay? But when people make up stories that I don't want to be what I am, it hurts me. It's a problem for me that I cannot control, end quote. Michael Jackson, interview with Oprah Winfrey. That time I could still remember my childhood wish. Oh, so I can become whiter or blacker if I just have the resources to buy myself bleach or tanning agents. Well, this was not a justification for me dancing several more Michael Jacksons on stage and wanting to win awards and money for it, but this was an eye-opener. I can change the color of my skin. Years later, I encountered a verse in the Bible that spoke of human nature through an African and a feline illustration. Quote, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. And quote, Jeremiah 13, 23 ESV. I found out soon that this verse is always one of those verses used by Calvinists to prove the doctrine of total depravity. I was laughing once at a friend who tried to lure me into the point of depravity. Using this verse, I automatically gave him the answer, wait, stop. Afro-American Michael Jackson became white. Don't you ever tell me that this verse is still relevant. Yes, we can change our skin. Then, not long after that, I became a Calvinist, not because I lost an argument with a staunch, bearded, reformed guy, but because I saw that the whole scripture was showing the reality of man's depravity of man's sinful nature, 
of man's evil and the grace that alone can remedy it. Even nature, I blurted out, can reveal our sinfulness. Romans 1 tells of the entire humanity, God's wrath will be upon all ungodly and unrighteous men, all rooted from our idolatrous hearts. This is found in verses 18 to 32 of Romans chapter 1. God's punishment to sin at the end of these verses was sin itself, God giving them over to a depraved mind, verses 28 to 32. Some might argue that it only talks of ungodliness and righteousness to sin of some man with all the different types of sins. Thus, all ungodliness and righteousness of man and not all men are ungodly and unrighteous. This were supposedly a good point if not for Romans chapter 3. Let me read Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 19. Quote, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless, no one does good, no, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive, the venom of asps is under their lips, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God." End quote. Romans 3.10-19 Take note of the emphasis. None is righteous. No, not one. Then listen to this. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. The whole world may be held accountable to God. If we need more evidence, we need not go the distance. Just four verses later, Paul writes this, quote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. End quote. Romans 3, 23. Hi. In line with our topic for today, it is essential to understand the depth and weight of our sinfulness in light to the gospel because not recognizing our own shortcomings and transgressions oftentimes blind us to understand and to know or give reverence to Jesus. It deprives us to clearly see the holiness and other attributes of God, thus holding us back as well to grieve and repent. Let me quote John MacArthur. He wrote, An awareness of the true nature of sin and its deadly character brings the sinner to see his need of salvation. Why do we still need to understand the gravity of man's sinfulness in the light of the gospel? My answer to this question is our sincere appropriation of the gospel comes when we truly understand the depth of our sinfulness. Our sense of need to the saving grace in Christ, the sufficiency of Christ's finished work and the availability of God's forgiveness cannot be truly serious apart from our exposure to our own sinfulness and God's righteous wrath. I mean, we will not beg for God's mercy unless there is a deep realization of our need to escape 
from God's judgment. Men aren't just sinful, but men love darkness. John chapter 3 verse 19 God is holy, both perfect and pure. There is no such a thing as a small or big sin to Him. A sin is a sin in the face of God. To commit sin is to rebel against God. To sin is to directly attack God's character, His holiness. His holiness is what makes God, God. And God hates sin. His response to this is His divine wrath, eternal separation from God. Not completely understanding the gravity of sin will blind us from truly and fully seeing our need for God's salvation and from fully and truly acknowledging our wretchedness. What a timely question, Twist. Um, with all of us locked up here in our homes and hooked up in our screens, you're often tempted to deny the reality of what's going on, doesn't it? Why do we still need to understand the gravity of man's sinfulness? in light of the gospel simply because it's a reality. If we don't acknowledge both, we are living in a fantasy. The better we understand our sinfulness, the better we understand the gospel. The more we understand ourselves as sinners worthy of even of the slightly goodly presence of God, the more we appreciate God's grace and mercy towards us. Without understanding of sin, there is no understanding of the gospel. In fact, the gospel will never make sense because there's no need for any of us to be delivered from. Again, thank you for listening to Cross Radio. This is our ministry of God's word to the world. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast platforms and our Facebook page. Just search for Cross Radio PH. Again, Cross Radio PH. Click like and follow us for regular updates. Share us to as many friends and family on Facebook. Also, I would like to ask you to pray for this ministry. Partner with us through your prayers. Pray for this ministry to really serve you and other listeners globally and together we will glorify God by enjoying Him every day. Thank you so much. I hope you see more of God today. Enjoy Him deeply and truly. And now back to our Cross Radio episode. Take note of the emphasis. None is righteous. No, not one. Then listen to this, no one seeks God, all have turned aside, no one does good, not even one. The whole world may be held accountable to God. If we need more evidence, we need not go the distance. Just four verses later, Paul writes this, quote, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, end quote, Romans 3, 23. Or according to the Westminster Confession of Faith, Man, by his fall into a state of sin, hath wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. Yes, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of all men, for all have sinned. If universalism is true, it is not a universalism in terms of salvation, but of condemnation. We are universally condemned. 
Sin, not salvation, is everybody's business. All have sinned. Every human being from Adam is under condemnation. The curse of God found in Genesis 2.17, that is the curse of death to humanity, was turned on when Adam sinned. And its wages is eternal death, Romans 6, 23. Total depravity, therefore, encompasses all spheres of humanity, all of humanity, and all of man. And you cannot simply change your human nature from sinful into something good, just like Michael Jackson changing his skin color. What Adam and Eve did was try to hide their skin, their nakedness, in front of God by making for themselves fig leaves sewed in accordance to their own shape and size. However, this was not enough. God knows of their disobedience, their depravity, their deaths. I imagine sometimes that this is what most people, even churches, are trying to accomplish. They want a skin change. They want to modify behavior. They want to alter the problem into mere psychological surface issue. Just change your behavior. Just give to the needy. Just love God and love people. Just do good. Just be good. Just feel good. The doctrine of total depravity goes against the fiber of our Adamic nature to merely sue fig leaves and try to hide our spiritual deadness. Total depravity slaps us wide awake from our slumbering state of wishful thinking, our fancies of wanting to see the good in all people, and mask our offenses with a veneer of lovability. Quote, you are worth dying for, end quote. I oftentimes hear this from people sharing a made-up gospel, a distorted image of the cross, a religion wanting to sound so nice and so comforting and loving at the expense of telling the truth about man's true need of salvation. Apart from one seeing his or her own sinfulness and the eternal problem thereof, one won't see a true need for a savior. Listen to this. At the foot of the cross, everyone is on level ground. We are all equally sinful and equally in need of saving grace. What can deal with our sins is not something we can sue for ourselves. It's something that only God can do. Kill an innocent sacrifice and clothe us with its hide. Genesis 3:21. In all religions, and we call them the religion of works, however, Jesus merely becomes a long-haired deistic poster boy a loving life coach, a moralist mentor, an inspiring best friend, a doting grandfather, a super encourager, all these, but not the God-man, offering penal substitutionary atonement for our sins. Why? We don't see our sins as grave as it should be. We are, we think, good enough. We are worth dying for. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. With this gospel, we see who is the main star ourselves. Christian Smith calls this generation the era succumbing to, quote, moralistic, therapeutic deism, end quote. God will give me what's fair, my own definition of fairness, and God will give me what I want as long as I have faith, and God will not meddle with the affairs of my life. This is moralistic, therapeutic deism. We just need a couple of religious acts, some pious devotions and helping other people, and then we're good, right? Nope. What we think we need is simply a change of skin color where people can see some whites when it was before black or colored. Total depravity says, oops, sorry, 
Sin has so infused the entire human race in the entirety of you. You are not just totally unable to reach God. You do all means, if not graciously restrained by God, to do things that are against Him. We are in open rebellion against God, for no one seeks God truly. This is our problem. Because of our depravity, because of our blindness, we think we are good enough to do something good so that God can save us. But this is not true. I invite you to open your Bibles and let's go to a familiar passage and we will see man's falling short of God's standards despite of everything good that this man can actually do. Let's open it on Mark 10, 17-31. Quote, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. End quote. This was from Mark 10, 17-31 ESV. First take note of who this man was. He was rich. Look at verse 22. In context, Jews believe that God blesses people with wealth. Yes, it's true. But they have come to the extreme that this blessing was favored by God, something to those who are eternally saved. So this man was good enough to be blessed by God with wealth. Then, this man was also not just rich, but this man was also young. This is from the same synoptic gospel in Matthew 19 verse 20. This man being young is blessed with vigor. He can still do lots and lots of good work. And to be blessed in a young age means you are highly favored. And in Luke's rendition of the gospel, this man is a ruler. Luke 18.18 meaning he is a religious man. And not just that, but he is part of the ruling caste. He is favored to be in the higher apps of society built on such religious system maybe a member of the Sanhedrin, or maybe a religious elite, but this man is an important figure. Remember, this 
was the rich young ruler. And what can we learn from this? This rich young ruler is so good, I call him the best representative of man before God. Lord, we have this guy, this rich young ruler who is good enough to represent us all. And I'm so excited. This is what we mean when we say good. This is a good man. Then listen to what this man said in front of Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Take note of this when you study semantics or just even studying a narrative. Take note of the questions because it will show us something about the questioner. What must I do? What must I do? What must I do? Do you see the emphasis here? Again, our best representative, the one who is good, the rich young ruler, is not just good in being, he is also good in doing. What more can you ask for? What must I do? What must one do to be saved? This is all the religions of the world. What must I do? Jesus asked him about the commandments. And what was the man's answer? I did all of them. Quote, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. End quote. What did the man answer him? Verse 20, and he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. End quote. Take note, all these. I have done all these things. It is finished, Lord. It is finished. Wow. Take note of this. He did it all. Our rich young ruler did it all. I will not go into details in expounding this very rich passage for I don't have much time. But I want us to look at this very intently. This rich young ruler, this good guy did it all, he says. Did Jesus slam him to his face? No, you didn't. You liar. You legalist. You buffoon. You All right, Jesus is not me. Jesus had another response. Listen to this. Quote, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Then listen to Jesus' response on verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Verse 22, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Beloved, did you see what Jesus did? Jesus loved him. And out of that love, he said to him, You lack one thing. You lack one thing. Beloved, this is what it means to fall short. No matter how we try to do things to save ourselves, we still fall short of God's standards. Why? Jesus was actually clear. It is more possible for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Was this problem about being rich? Far from it. There are rich people in heaven and also poor people in hell. What does Jesus mean, beloved? It simply means that it is impossible for us to be saved thinking our riches or whatever it is we have or who we are or what we did can save us. Can a man do something good? In a way, yes. The Bible acknowledges that we can do good works, quote-unquote. We can do something that is beneficial and good and even loving for our neighbors. One problem is this. What we mean by good is not good enough for us to merit salvation. We can do all the good in the world, even atheists or even contrary religions, even cults can do good. But it is a godless good or in essence, a Christless good work. 
and it is not good enough to save us. Only faith in the true gospel, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can save us. He alone is good, good enough to save us from our sins and our depravity. Our sinfulness keeps us from heaven, man, oh man. Remember the disciples' question on the passage that we have just read? Then who can be saved? This is a legit question. Our greatest representative, the rich young ruler, fails to do something to save himself. He lacks something. What about us? We are worse than him. Who then can be saved? Remember Jesus' response? With man, it is impossible, but not with God. Beloved, this is saving grace. Apart from seeing one's own sinfulness and the eternal problem thereof, one won't see a true need for a Savior. At the foot of the cross, everyone is on level ground, equally sinful and equally in need of saving grace. What can deal with our sins is not something we can simply sue for ourselves. It's something only God can do. With God, salvation is not impossible. And as much as I want to continue, I will cut it here. Next week, we will go to the war we have with God and the redemption we have in Christ. Only in Christ are we saved. Thank you very much for listening to Cross Radio. This was our fourth chapter on our series about following Jesus entitled The Disciples Notebook. Please, please, please pray for this ministry that we can reach people with the message of the gospel that points more to the only hope we have, and that is Jesus Christ. Pray for Cross Radio, listen weekly, and share this to others. Next week, we'll focus on the gospel proper, which is the redemption we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Have a cheerful and Christ-filled day ahead.